0: Hi, this is Crappy to Happy, and I'm your host, Cass Dunn. I'm a clinical and coaching psychologist, mindfulness meditation teacher, and author of the Crappy to Happy books. In this series, we look at all the factors that might be making you feel crappy, and the tools and the techniques that will help you overcome them. In each episode, I introduce you to interesting, inspiring, intelligent people who are experts in their field, and my hope is that they will help you go from crappy to happy. Today I'm talking to Tom Harkin. Tom is a people development expert who specialises in helping men to explore and challenge traditional ideas about what it actually means to be a man. He founded the Tomorrow Man Project and he now goes out into schools, sporting clubs and corporate environments and talks to men of all ages and backgrounds about what they love and hate about being a man and how they can redefine for themselves what kind of man they want to be. We discuss the links between traditional masculinity and domestic violence, uh, the men's suicide rate, and how men fundamentally communicate differently from women. I loved this chat with Tom. I learned a lot for myself about the men in my own life. And I think whether you identify as a man or a woman or anything in between, there is something in this conversation that you will take away and that you will really learn from. Tom, you are known as the Bloke Whisperer.
1: Oh, my God.
0: Which I love.
1: <laughs> I for
0: your For your ability to get men to open up and talk about their feelings, yeah. which men typically aren't very good at. Mm. Um, I am really interested to talk about the importance of this. I think this is fantastic work that you do, but I'm just initially really curious to know what actually inspired you to, to go out and do this. Like, what, what led to this?
1: Yeah. Well, for stars, I hate that title. So oh, sorry. <laughs> I still remember hearing it. I think it was said on like an ABC like breakfast show and it went viral like as a tagline. And I was like, this is the worst thing that could have happened. Um, really? Yeah. The reason being, no bloke wants to come and talk to the bloke whisperer. Like, right, like that's like the biggest turn off in history. Um, it it sounds great for for people who care about blokes, but, but definitely not blokes. They're like, I heard the bloke whisperer. I'm not talking to him. Yeah, good um, point. Because it just sounds a bit, uh, sounds a bit wanky. So, <laughs> which kind of relates to how I got into this. So, yes. it's a long journey. Like, I mean, I, I grew up in Frankston. And um, I kind of wanted to be a tough boy and wanted to get all the girls and all that kind of stuff and it wasn't happening for me at all. And so I was strategic though and and I just hung out with the blokes who had all the muscles and, um, (laughs) you know, who were getting everything that I wasn't. And eventually I made my way into the Reach Foundation. I worked there for quite a few years with Jim Steins running youth workshops. Uh And, uh, And as I've kind of grown older, I've just taken more... More and more interest, particularly with the horrific stats in Australia around men, um, men's mental health. In fact, that suicide is the leading cause of death for 15 to 44 year old males in this country. is just crazy. And mm. six men today will take their lives based on the, it's the, on the stats. And every day mm. of this week, and every day of this year. Um, so I, I just took more and more of an interest in realizing blokes um, aren't. Uh, reaching out to resources, they're not asking for help, and and often they're they're not taking it when it comes um, mm. because it's coming in a form that doesn't speak their language. And I really understood that, Graham Frankston, because there was a lot of people that came to our school trying to help us, you know, on mental health and all sorts of different things, but they didn't talk our language. And so, we made them, I I think at times, wish that they hadn't picked that profession as they left the school. And and so, growing up, I just kind of got to this point where I was like, there is a way to do this. I know there's a way to do this, uh, you know, this emotional life as men to talk honestly, to to emote in a way that doesn't steal your masculinity. Um, But it is isn't being packaged up in the right way for guys and so they're not they're not taking it. And so that's where Tomorrow Man came from. That's how I got into doing this stuff. And I think that's why that bloke whisperer title comes, because we're in environments where often people are saying, Oh, I know that you get blokes talking but these ones aren't going to and then and then they see it unfold pretty quickly within you know five or ten minutes blokes are talking really honestly and they're like what happened because it didn't oh, wow. seem you didn't seem to do anything you know because it is a fairly laid-back conversation and and that that's the entry point
0: and do you want to just t- talk about what the tomorrow man project is just for people who aren't aware of what what you do yeah? In the
1: Tomorrow Man Project? Yeah, so we, so we run workshops for men um, yeah. from 15, uh, the age of 15 upwards. Um, mm-hmm. We work in blue collar, white collar, um, sporting clubs, amateur and professional, um, rural, metro, right across Australia. Um, and we run workshops to basically create a really no-holds-barred conversation about what it means to be a bloke, what it's meant in the past mm-hmm. and what it means today and is the current stereotype of what, what it means to be a bloke serving us in the different environments that we work in because it does vary from you know rural, rural Australia to metro. Mm. And then we provide an environment basically to help blokes learn how to build their emotional muscle, is what we call it, and learn to talk with gravity. And talking with gravity is talking about things that carry weight and depth. Oh, um, yeah,
0: good, because that was one of my questions, the talk with gravity, like what that yeah. actually means.
1: Yeah, yeah like, I mean, I think in all honesty, if if you, if you go into a room and you tell blokes, we're going to talk with open-hearted vulnerability, um, you'll be in a room on your own within about five seconds. Um, yeah. Whereas if... If you talk about talking with gravity, talk in a way where you'll silence a room. Like you know, the whole room will go, "Shit, this is this this is real." Like I don't think I've ever heard somebody talk about what this person's now talking about or this honestly. Um, you can feel the weight in that, and and, and we kind of talk about when you're talking with gravity, um, often. Your heart will start racing, you know, like you're like you're heading into a fight of sorts. Like you know, your your adrenaline will course, and your stomach will flip upside down, and your voice might get a bit shaky. Um, and yeah, maybe maybe a tear or two will roll on the odd occasion, but you'll know that you're talking about issues that 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 go far beyond the banter. Um, mm-hmm. And generally, the audience around you, like they need they need to know what to do as well, because a lot of blokes will say oh, you know, well, a lot of blokes laugh it away or pat it away, you know, pat on the back, you'll be right, or let me get yes. you another drink, let's get a few more drinks. Like, yeah, this, yeah, will, yeah. This, this will pass. And And so they need to know how to hold space as well for their mates and just go, you know what, I'm not here, I don't need to solve this right now. I actually just need to hold a bit of comfortable silence for this person to be able to get this off their chest so that we can then work through it.
0: How do you actually sell them on the importance of being able to do that, like that there is a that it's good for them? Yeah. do they even believe that that's a good thing to be able to do
1: yeah it's, it's an interesting one, yeah you know, I think this this generation. They do. They do think it's a good thing. You know, I think yeah. awareness has spread and I think blokes uh, by large feel now, you know what, yeah, we do need to talk, but what they don't know is how. How, how yeah. do I talk and who do I talk to? And I've never seen it done. I've never experienced it. So how do I begin? Um, how, how are we in the room when we're with the guys? Um, I guess, you know, the question how do we get them to feel like it's important or it's a worthy thing to do, this, the stats are pretty intense, you know, and when you hear them together... You know, the stats on depression in Australia amongst men, anxiety amongst men, um, you know, e- even things like the way that, that we... The, the unhealthy traits that we have in the way that we bury emotion through alcohol mm. and, you know, eating and all those kind of different things. I think for a lot of guys, you know, we, ru- we run pieces in the room where guys can see, if you've ever been impacted by this stat, just throw your hand up. Right. Um, or if... Um, if you know of a a man within one degree of separation, so the guy down the road, your next-door neighbour, guy that you work with, guy from a sports club. If he's been through one of these stats also, just throw your hand in the air. Um, And the numbers are just crazy. You know what I mean? On most of the stats, you've got unanimous arms around the room. And I think at that point, guys start to go... Jesus, I thought it was just a couple of blokes that I knew. I thought it was just myself, and it, it, it's all of us. And these are mainstream blokes, by the way. Yes. So the guys that are turning up in these rooms, they're kind of, you know, like we're down at um, on the surf coast, Torquay Football Club, and you've got surfers in the room, you've got football blokes in the room, you've got blokes from the city who commute down to live by the beach, and you've got locals. You've got, you've got the whole mix, you know, in the room. It's, it's not... It's not a, you know, what some people will stigmatise as, as, a, as a men's group, you know, certain type of men that they picture going to a men's group. This is like your ordinary blokes going, mm. I, I, I don't know how to do these things that I'm starting to realise I need to know how to do. Otherwise, mm. I'm, I'm going to struggle as a mate. I'm going to struggle to be the kind of father I want to be. Um, and, and, and I'm struggling as well. Like I actually want some tools.
0: And just, I can imagine that just that everybody's hands going up would mm. be so powerful because, you know, I, in the work that I do, I mm. teach, I do mindfulness, you know, I teach um, self-compassion as yeah, being okay. really essential, yep. which I imagine is a phrase that would make a lot of men run for the hills <laughs> as well. <laughs> sure. um, but, Definitely. but, you know, one of the key elements of self-compassion is the aspect of common humanity. Like you are not in this on your own. Mm. Um, everybody has the, these issues. And just that in itself is so Reassuring. And Hugely. freeing
1: Yeah yeah. I mean y- you're right Like I think th- There's a, an exercise Called step to the line You know A lot of guys Struggle to put thi- put Words to things And so it is a big moment When a guy just says You know what stuff? I'm going to be honest And this is what I've got to say um, But sometimes you have 200 people in the room And so you're not Going to hear from everybody um, mm. And there's a point In the workshop Where you do this Step to the line thing And it's like One of the questions Step to the line If you ever had a moment In life where you struggled And you didn't quite Know the way out of it And the whole Room steps up the line. Stay on the line if you've had one of those in the last year or so. You know, you got ninety percent of the room still there. The last yeah. six months or so, you got seventy percent of the room still there. Last three months or so, you got forty percent of the room on average still there. Last yeah. week or so, you still got a lot. You know, like a quarter of the room still there. And 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 I think for a lot of guys, they end up like they're looking down the line, going, "Jesus, I thought I was going to be here on my own." Yeah, like this is actually. Really relieving. There's something weirdly comforting about the fact that, you know, my situation might not have improved, but but I'm not the one random the bloke who's yes. not living up to the expectation of the stereotype, which is yeah. control and dominance. And I've got it all together and I don't need anybody. I'm a one-stop shop.
0: I was just going to ask you, when you talk about these ideas of what it is to be a man, I'm very mm. curious to know, in across all of those groups that you mentioned before, like executives and footballers and schoolboys mm-hmm. and, you know, what are the common things? I think everybody's really interested to know. Mm. What do they... And I suppose what are they really conscious of? Because yes. I think a lot of it would be unconscious.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Until
0: it becomes... is spoken. You know, it's yeah. just, you just carry this stuff about what it is to be a woman or what it is to be a man. Sure. Nobody ever speaks it.
1: Yeah. Yep. But when
0: you ask them to articulate it, how well do they do that and what do they say?
1: Well... It's pretty immediate. Like, that's is the it? amazing thing. That right. although we don't necessarily go around talking about it all the time as guys, it it comes out of our mouths in, you know, w- w- in a heartbeat without thinking about it. When, when asked, what is the stereotype? And it's always consistent. Now, yeah. the, only, the only differences that I've found is... Between age groups, it differs a little bit. So you're mm-hmm. 17 mark and, and your older bloke, it differs tiny bit, just a tiny bit. And I'll talk about that a little bit because I find it fascinating.
0: Um, I'm really interested in that. Yeah. yeah.
1: And then um, rural, rural and metro and blue collar, white collar, it's semantics that change but not the actual definition of the stereotype mm-hmm. so it's more so just the words that they use a difference but it's you know in the thesaurus you're pointing at the same thing
0: uh-huh.
1: um and so i mean the things are uh, a man is strong he's mm. stoic he sucks it up and he gets on with it he's resilient he's a provider he sets direction um he protects people um you know, they're, they're the biggest ones that come up. Still provider, you know, even though yeah. that, that's really shifting. It's still the things that they say. You know, one of the interesting things that came up, I think it was, it was about a year ago now, we did the Triple M did this big man study. Um, and it was really around realising that their listener base was changing. Um, and as a station that speaks to more men than any station, they wanted to know what's going on for our listener base. And they realised that the segmentation of the stoic Aussie bloke and that archetype had actually shrunk and it was no longer the dominant archetype of their listener anymore. Um, and so they needed, Interesting. Yeah, so they needed mm. to, to, to change a few things. And um, And they were going out to obviously the providers that want to – Speak to that market and sell to that market, and I was saying you guys should probably be aware that your brands might need to shift too because the the market's changing in terms of what what men are interested to uh, yeah. in and what they want to listen to. And one of the things that they did for the events was um, they filmed a bunch of like five to seven year olds, um, like kids of the staff, and, and what does it mean to be a man? you know, and these kids are kind of like inner city kids, you know, um, and, you know, you'd know, you say well off and, you know, nicely dressed yep. and fairly articulate. They're all sitting on this couch and they're answering this question. And it was overwhelming, you know, strong, doesn't cry, would only cry if he really got hurt or I've only seen him cry because he cut the onions, you know, and he started, yeah. you know, shedding a few tears. Um, but but it all came up as strong, you know, strong and no emotion, doesn't cry, you know, uh, big and strong, big and strong, big and strong. Mm. And I just found it really kind of terrifying in some ways. Like it's it's kind of hilarious to watch, you know, these little kids and their innocent answers, but it's almost 2020. And they're inner city kind of fairly open-minded kids whose dominant view of masculinity is about strength and being big and not having any vulnerability as a part of that story. So that story comes up regardless of age, regardless of background across the country. How... so yeah, I was yeah, just going to say, it,
0: you just reminded me of when I was taking my daughter to school. My daughter's 12 now, but when she was in her first year of school, prep year actually, I think that's kindergarten in New South Wales. So, you know, she's four and a half and walking mm. up the steps and there was a little boy who hadn't even started school yet. So mm. his older sibling was in prep mm. and he was just waiting with his mum. He must've been about three and he was crying and crying and crying on the steps. And we were just, mm. you know, I gave the mum that, that look of, you know, we've all been there yeah. and, you know. <laughs> And almost, it was almost as if she said it for my benefit, like she was embarrassed about this kid crying. And she said really loudly, You need to stop, Jacob. Should I be calling you Jacobina? Because you're crying like a girl. Oh my God. Child was three. Brutal. You know, we say we're all aware of the that this is not good and this is not healthy but there's a lot of people that still buy into that and it's still oh, spreading that
1: big time i think that I, I don't think that we're as aware of our unconscious bi- our unconscious biases as we should be as a society mm. i think Agreed. that we're good at at, mon- at the toxic masculine traits mm-hmm. but i don't think we realize how implicit we are in creating them as a society um, i think that we've got these you know like you see a you know a you know little 4 year old boy and and you are likely when you know you're introduced and, and often you will go towards those things like you're a big tough boy look at you you're a big tough boy you know and and all of those kind of things and and you're a beautiful girl and Yes. And I think, I think when we're sitting there having a debate about gender, I think we're great at saying, well, I would never do that. And, you know, like kids can be whatever they want to be and I'm non-gender binder and all those kind of great things. But I think in our daily practices, we'd, we'd, we'd be pretty shocked at, at how much we do lean towards the stereotypes.
0: Completely agree.
1: And and one, and one of the things on that is the way that the teenagers differ from the adult men is – and this is kind of why I really got into this stuff. But, you know, for 17-year-old boys – they're loose, they're great, you know, awesome to work with because they're just full of character and they don't hold anything back. But, but they're throwing out all the things that a bloke is, you know, tough, you know, big balls and all this kind of stuff, hairy and whatever. <laughs> um, and then and one of the, the crazy things is you get into like asking, like because you, you're trying to fill this massive whiteboard with all of this stuff and just like go for it, like just helpful for leather, tell us what it is. And so you're running through things like, what about emotions? And they go, well, no tears, you know. Usually that comes up first anyway. No tears. Well, what, mo- what emotions are okay? Because surely some of them are okay. It's okay to be angry and it's okay to be funny. Like, they're okay. But everything else is, is out of bounds. Um, mm-hmm. And then you say, you know, what about blokes and, uh, you know, food? What do they eat? Steak! You know, <laughs> <It's> like- <laughs> Steak, you know, meat. Yeah, yeah, what what wouldn't you eat? Yeah, you wouldn't eat salad, you know. And they've got they've got everything. Even these boys, teenagers, they know what you should be drinking. They're like you drink beer, you know. You wouldn't be drinking those UDLs or anything like that. Um, and <laughs> it's so
0: true. Yeah, it's so true. And these are
1: immediate. Like these are just reeling off. It's not like there's a pause. Let me think about that. It's just like they're shouting them. Yeah. you know. How do boys sort out problems with their fists? You know. You know what what don't they do? Oh, well, you wouldn't go on and on and on and on like. Of the girls, you know, they're all mimicking that kind of hand-talking thing. And so all this is thrown out there and it's, and it, it's a good laugh and it's immediate and it's instinctive and it's there, it's, it's etched in our brains somehow through family, media, society, whatever you want to call mm-hmm. it, but it's there just waiting mm-hmm. to be thrown out. I think the, the scary thing that I witnessed, and I particularly witnessed it with my mates um, in Frankston, was those things actually work pretty well for a 16, 17-year-old bloke in a public school um generally if you follow that rule book then you are kind of you, you're the bad boy that often gets the girls you know what I mean mm. and guys are kind of intimidated by you and you do kind of rule the roost in a way those traits really help you for the football field and you tend to dominate sport which is huge in this country yes um, and so a lot of things kind of do work and you don't get in a massive amount of trouble unless you really cross the line on a lot of those behaviors. When you're trying to use those same behaviors in your twenties, well, you get in a lot of trouble, and mm-hmm. it really undoes your life. And when you're still doing it in your thirties, well, then you're in deep shit, you know. Um, mm. And and I think that when kids are young and they, you know, they're five years old, it's all innocent, it's all a bit of fun, you know. Boys are tough and girls are beautiful, and but these things have really serious consequences. And yeah. and I watched it happen for these guys. I watched them go from king of the school and most charismatic, you know, exciting people to watch. You didn't know what they were going to do. And, you know, they got the girls and they were great on the sporting field. And they just, they lit the classroom up with their banter. And then it started to not work so well for them because society is not as forgiving to a man as it is to a boy. And these traits really started to cause quite a bit of damage. If you learn like just as a basic... Thing And I often talk to the guys about this. Like, let's just talk about this for a second. You know, and this is high school kids. But if if you teach your brain to wire in that you sort a problem out with your fists because it's a better alternative because you just mates afterwards and it's all done, far better than talking it out... Tell me what you're going to do when you've gone from your 20s, you know, maybe weekends having beers with the boys, catching up with your girlfriend or boyfriend or whatever, and then you find yourself bucket maths kind of in your 30s and you get home from a long day's work and you've got two kids and they're screaming their heads off and you and your wife haven't been getting along for a long time and it just gets too much, mm. you want to know that your brain's equipped to be able to talk in that moment. Surely, mm. surely you do not want your biased reaction when you're overblown and you can't think straight to to be sending blood into your fists mm. um, because we know where that ends up. But I think that we're good in, as, as a society at looking at the extremes and saying... Mm. You know, too many women are dying to domestic violence and it's horrific. And this needs to stop. You Mm. know, it has to stop. And we all know that. Um, Domestic violence is just the most horrific thing, you know. Um, But we divorce that from the way that we bring up and educate our young people. And, and
0: totally we, yeah. agree totally you 're preempting all of the things I wanted to ask you about, <laughs> like I was going to ask do people make that link
1: mm, no they don't i don 't think so i I think that i don 't think that people are able to see that the subtle stuff and the minutia really leads to huge consequences, yeah, and I think like like I guess the the argument that comes against this stuff is come on, like, you're going to get into a nanny state, you know, we're going to be a nanny state, you can't say anything anymore, you can't do anything, you can't, you know, some blokes will say, oh, you just can't be a man anymore, you know, Mm -hmm. we're in a man-hating world. And I just don't think that's the case. No. What I do think, though, is that we haven't moved fast enough to transform our education, our educational environments, whether they be homes or schools or sporting clubs, to be able to show that there's a workable solution to maintain a lot of those great stoic attributes of typical masculinity, resilience and being the provider and being a protector, all those great things. But to also have a second gear and a whole other toolbox that is emotionally letting go of the tears so that it doesn't ruin me or my family
0: mm. and
1: being able to ask for help and realise no human on this planet has every answer they'll need for life. It just doesn't happen that way. Mm. You know, and I think a lot of blokes are brought up with a stereotype that says "sort it out yourself." Like that—that's a real man. Like a real man doesn't need people. Mm. Like he's just—he's self-sufficient. He's got it all, and he's got extra to provide to those he cares about. Well, that's—that's that's an impossible ideal.
0: You know, I'm just thinking that about men that I know, and men who, even my husband and uh, friends of his, who've gone through difficult times. And I think, for example, my husband, he will always be the first to say that he's he's right there if any of his mates need him. Mm. You know, he'll be the one there to have a chat. But still, his best friend, you know, if he's having a rough time, I'll hear about that more than... My husband will. And I'll say, yeah. did he tell you about this? And then I'll say to the best friend, did did Mel tell you about this? Nah, we just talk about, you know, sport and shit. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like yeah. you guys purport to be like in touch with your feelings and there for each other. But yeah. how is it that I know more about all of this stuff than you two do? Like have a conversation. Oh,
1: completely. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, there's a, an interesting set um, that Movember did a study on. Seventy eight percent of blokes believe that they're there for their friends if their friends needed emotional support. Yeah. Only forty eight percent of men believe that their friends are there if they need emotional support. Really? Yeah. So it's like there's a real gap. Yes. Um and and, that, and that's just perception. That's not actually the action itself. You know, like I think a lot of guys are rocking up at these blokes nights because they're going, I just don't know how to do it. Like, I want to. I love my mates. Like, I want to be there for them. I've got no idea how to do it. Like, how do you even... And, you know, one of the craziest things is in all of the sessions that we run, at some point I'll say, how often would you have a conversation like this amongst your mates? The unanimous answer is always Never. Mm. Never have I had a conversation like this amongst my mates. Like people actually like emotional, like talking, still putting words to that stuff. Like wow, no, nah, never, never done that.
0: No, I think that sometimes this, I'll, I'm there for you, mm. is like giving you a call and saying, hey. Uh you know, in my mind, I know that you're having a hard time. So what I'm going to do is I'm gonna call you up and say, hey, let's go for a beer.
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly. And we go for yeah. a beer
0: and we talk about sport. Yeah. But we hung out and I was there for yeah. you. Yeah,
1: yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Well, you don't need to put words to these things, you know. <laughs> yeah. And I think one of the crazy things about the ways that guys catch up, this bloke said the other day, we are at a workshop in Adelaide, and he said, you know what, it's messed up, you know. Like, I, like why, can't a, why can't a bloke catch up over a coffee? And, yeah. Or a meal. Like, Why can't we do that? Why can't we look at each other in the face and actually talk? Why does it always have to be watching the sport or going fishing or we play a game of golf or take our motorbikes for a ride down the peninsula? You know, or, like why Why are we always distracted in everything so that we do? So that we're always side by side, not looking at each other, with no pregnant space that we might yeah. fill with how we're actually going. Whereas, you know, for women, they're more likely, again, as a generalisation, to catch up in a way that says, I just want to catch up with you. I mm. want to know what's going on for you, what is actually happening.
0: So, Tom, if blokes are listening to this and they resonate with this, like mm. what, what can they do? Like, What do they tangibly do differently in their lives? Or, or what have you noticed or what are the skills that people leave your workshops or your conversations with that yeah. help them to do something differently?
1: Yeah, there's a lot of great things in the stereotype that we're not utilising. And one of the great things about the stereotype is it says that a, that a man has courage, you know, mm. and he'll really step in. And, and so the biggest thing that, that I try and set up with the blokes in the room or that any of our facilitators do is try and embrace the heart beating you know, the the stomach-turning feeling of awkwardness, you know what I mean? Like mm. embrace it as though you're stepping into the fire for your mate or for yourself or for your future son or for your current son or whoever it might be. But work out how to have the conversation. That's a big thing just to say. And, yes. and in the room we're trying to give guys like a, literally a practice at the conversations that dare to go beyond the banter. Um, There are a few things that can be done, but I do think the most important one is this current generation of men are really pioneers in many ways. I think it's going to be a long time before the cavalry comes. We can't wait In Mm -hmm. terms of, I'm talking government, changing education, making sure that this is a taught subject, that every boy knows that emotion is essential um, and how to deal with it. Um, But they're not coming now, you know, and it probably won't be here for another 10 years or so. Mm -hmm. And so Mm -hmm. it really is the everyday man. Like, how do we make this happen? So the things that I would say would be, I think we need to learn how to put words... To our emotions as we're feeling those emotions. Yeah. And to have the courage to talk through your tears if they come. To learn, all right, what is the difference between banter and talking with gravity? Because they are mm. really different things. And they're both awesome. You know what I mean? Like, that's yes. the reality. We love I just love the that
0: phrase, talking with gravity. That's. Uh, mm. Mm.
1: And so, like, say in the workshops, one of the things that we get them to do is, like, it sounds simple, but how are you? And. Ask that question and then let the other bloke answer it for two minutes uninterrupted, without saying a word. Just let him answer the question, and he'll meander and he'll kind of, oh, you know. But event, it just gets to deeper and deeper levels. It's amazing how much you can say in two minutes. Yeah, and a lot of guys will say, you know, well, some guys will say, "Geez, that was so interesting. That was amazing. Amazing what you can hear. Like I, like we related on so many things." And other guys will say, "That was excruciating." Like, I hated that. <laughs> but it's like, yeah, well, great. You know, most of us hated the session at the gym or, you know, a really hard day's work that burns your muscles up. But we still do it because it's worth it. And Mm. if you knew that you were going to save a mate by working out how to do what you just did in two minutes and do it comfortably, you'd do it in a heartbeat. Mm. And so that's one of the sides of it. The other side is if you can hold comfortable silence and allow somebody just to talk and to discover what they're feeling. Because you're not asking like, mate, how are you? And give me the clear prescribed answer what you're actually ideally saying is mate how are you and I want to give you the space to talk it out and try and work it out so I'm just going to be your ears yeah how are you like this is an opportunity to actually unpack it a bit because who else are you doing it with you may, may not be doing it at home because it's too close to home or you may mm. not be you can't do it at work and uh, and maybe you, you banter with the other boys so yes. I actually just want to give you that space and then when they're they're talking it through, we teach them how to ask the second and the third question. So a lot of blokes are good at asking the first question and then jumping topics. And so it'll be, how are you? You know, oh, yeah, yeah, not great, the family. Yeah, you know, you know how it is work. And it'll be like, yeah, 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 you're right. Yeah, it can be hard, you know. And um, and what are you up to on the weekend?
0: Yeah, you then know? change channels. It
1: it's just like nice little, let's just get out of that because mm-hmm. that's just a bit uncomfortable. We're about to go there. The second question could be, yeah, yeah, I get what you mean. But what do you mean? Like, what do you mean by the family? Like, how is the family? And they're like, oh, you know, like, yeah, they're good, but just uh, work, you know, like we're not getting as much time together and, you know, I'm not doing enough at home, but I'm wrecked after work and I, I like, and then we're just not connecting and, yeah, right, Well, you know, when was the last time that you felt you actually connected with your wife? Like, when, when was that? And that might be a third question. Then maybe you do jump out and you go to a different topic. But I think having like literally that skill set, what is the skill of listening and being able to inquire? Um, Again, a lot of folks just aren't taught those skills.
0: I think that jumps across the gender divide though, to be honest. Like in my work, like a lot of people, male men and women, I think especially for men for sure, but people generally are uncomfortable with silence. Yeah. And and often avoidant of anything too emotional and too heavy, like mm. just eject yeah to me out <laughs> of here. <laughs> I mean, I'm a psychologist, and people yeah. come to me specifically to talk about this stuff, yeah. and they still bander around the edges of it and don't actually want to go too deep.
1: Sure. So, sure.
0: Um, uh, but yeah, so just that capacity, I think, to to stay, like yeah. stay, to feel that discomfort and. Yeah. And notice it and not have to press the eject button Yeah,
1: to get out.
0: I have another question. Mm. We have a lot of female listeners, and I know that many of them, you know, their wits end with trying to get their partner, male partner, yeah. to open up, to talk about what's going on. Like, he just yeah. shuts down. All the, like, do you have advice for them? <laughs> Big call, I know. Huge. but <laughs> Should um. they? What? W- is, is there anything particularly that they could do or a way yeah. that they could approach it that might be more effective than anything that they're currently trying to do? <laughs> Just open up. Talk yeah, to me.
1: Yeah. Tell me what's going on. Yeah. Uh, um, <laughs> yeah, I think it's a hard one. Uh, mm. Like, I, it's obviously a hard one because yeah. there's a lot of people um, th- that that have that request and and what do you do? I, I think that, um, you know, there are certain things like um, – Generally, as a rule, if you've grown up and identified with a male stereotype, teenage teenage boys are amazing at this, but you reject all types of drama. You know, mm. it's all about being cool and equilibrium and you never have heightened highs or low lows. You kind mm. of just keep it cool and keep it contained. And so when somebody is around you and they really want something and it feels emotive, then they'll reject that like the plague often. Yeah. It's it's kind of like, no, nah, too much, too much. You know, you've asked me three questions. I haven't even, <laughs> I haven't even bre- had a chance to breathe, you know. <laughs> yeah. um, and so they answer none of them. And I think that it, it's, it's, a, it's a kind of medium to long-term process. You know, if somebody says, oh, my teenage son is not talking to me, he just grunts at me and blah, blah, Man or woman, you know, father or, or mother, yes. I, I'd say to them, you just want, you want to prove to them that you're not going to take over the steering wheel. Yeah. And so you have short conversations and just leave them and walk away. And they'll realise, oh, geez, okay, that was alright. You know, um, you ask them how are you going at school. Oh, yeah, good, not so good. Yeah, okay. You know, I mean, that's 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 giving away a fair bit. But if you get to that point, then it's like, all oh, right, yeah, right. What are the what are the good bits? You know, I oh, see my mates. What are the bad bits? Oh, I got this teacher. Yeah, right. And uh, and and to be honest, I'd probably leave it there. Yeah, okay. And come back to it a few days later. Yeah, you know, and go how are you? And they'll probably tell you a bit more about that thing, mm-hmm. um, rather than what's the teacher? What do what, what what's going on with the teacher? Um, uh, uh, you know, are they are you not getting along with them? Are you know, mm-hmm. and you three questions in, and they haven't even said anything, and they're just like, ah, stuff like that I'm not going there because yeah, I don't know. Good advice. I don't know how to handle this myself yet, and here's somebody diving in trying to take the steering wheel, and. And my stereotype tells me to keep control, and so I actually yeah. just need to work it out in my head here. Oh my god, I can't even work it out. No, I'm not going to go there with you because you're just going to try and take over.
0: That advice that you just offered for a teenage boy, mm. like you know, ask a question, drop it, leave it. Maybe that's also really good advice for female, like partners of your spouse. Like, well, don't that's it. delve, that's what don't I was it. yeah. Yeah, right.
1: Yeah, but but they're the extreme. <laughs> like, you know, a teenage boy is the extreme of a male adult. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I think one of the other things that, guys, um, we need to reinvent as men is the way that we do catch up. And I think that we can catch up and have the banter and have the beer and all that kind of stuff. Um, but how do you also make sure that there's opportunities to go beyond the banter? I think a lot of people think of having those beyond the banter, talking with gravity conversations when things are really bad. And we lose most of our best habits when things are really bad. You know, we don't hold on to our best habits in those moments. And so if you're mm-hmm. expecting somebody to do something they've never done before that's really healthy for them, in that one moment when they're going worst, the odds are pretty bad. And so I think we need to splice into the ways that we catch up just opportunities for deeper conversation. And so when we're going around, you know, Australia and we're talking with guys, we're talking to them about what are things that you've done and what are the things that work for you, you know, like what is golden mateship, you know, when you hear it because we're not hearing these stories. So it's it's hard to go, oh that's a great one. I'm going to I'm going to grab that. So we had a farmer last week and he said Mate, I just, um, I write in my calendar the good and, and bad things that happened for my mates, like the big ones, you know, they lost a mum on that day or, you know, that day they had a child or whatever. And he's like, I'll just shoot him a text, mate. I'll just shoot him a text on those days and say, I'm thinking about you, you know. it's like He's like, it's not like my calendar it's chock full of them. It's not that many. Um, but he said, you know, the response I've had, you know, it means a lot because there's a lot of people that aren't thinking about people on those days or they don't catch them and so other guys in the room are like, that's a great idea. That's like,
0: fantastic. Like, I'm
1: going to pinch that or, yes. y- you know, um, another another bloke said, oh, I had a, um, I had some cancer results coming in and um, and I was at work and, and I was about to go home and a bunch of blokes rocked up with an Xbox and they said, you're going nowhere. And they ordered a bunch of pizzas. They said, we're staying here tonight. They Had everything set and ready to go. And they're like, we're not leaving you until you get the phone call in the morning. And so well. they stayed the night out and, and the, in the morning he got the phone call and he was clear. But you, you hear those moments and, and they're inspiring. You kind of go, mm. geez, like, you know, they're not the craziest things in the world to do for people. Um, and when I think about those things, I just think we need to have more guts in saying, that's enough, gents. That's enough of this. these stats. We're not going to be another part of these stats or we're going to limit the impact they'll have on our friendship group. We're catching up. And for 60 seconds, we haven't seen each other in a year, um, you're just going to talk about something you've grinded through, some ashes that you've grinded through, something that was a bit hard throughout the year. And for 60 seconds, a highlight something that was just epic and amazing that you had this year we do that with our mates once a year because we don't see each other anymore because we're in our 30s and we've got families and jobs and we just hardly ever get that you know we don't have Friday and Saturday nights every week anymore Yeah. and so you know that's enough like the stories that you hear around you know sitting in a circle and we put a slab in the middle you know it's not for everybody um, but but we just go around the circle and it's it's half an hour and then we're back to the banter and taking the piss out of each other and um, great. you know and all those things but I think we, we, we just Need to think of better ways to catch up and, yeah. and to reach out before things get bad. Yes. Uh, I think we're amazing, particularly the rural communities that we've been working in. They often will say in the room, This community is incredible. Like, we will come together and give our left arm for people when things go badly. Why can't we do that before things go badly? Yeah. We need to start putting that same energy into catching up and making sure that, yeah, we got solid friendships that we can enjoy life and, 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 yeah, just. Um, Change the stereotype in a way that is actually really aspirational and attractive to an everyday bloke in this country.
0: I love that. I I actually love that every example that you've used or analogy that you've used has had a real blokey spin on it. Mm. You obviously speak their language. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I I try,
1: hoping that it doesn't mean that people keep using bloke whisperer.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I will note to self, I won't refer to you as bloke whisperer. (laughs) What an interesting guy Tom is. I think that you will agree that the time has never been more ripe for a review of these traditional male stereotypes and Tom is doing some amazing work in this area. If you want to find out more about what Tom does, you can find him at tomharkin.com.au or his project tomorrowman.com.au. And if this episode has brought up any issues for you, I would encourage you to get in touch with Lifeline or Beyond Blue. We love hearing from you. So if you love this show, please give it a rating and a review on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts or get in touch with me personally, hello at castun.com. Also, if you're interested in the Crappy to Happy book, which I've just released, it's available for order and the link is in the show notes, or you can come to my website, castun.com. On the next episode, I'm talking to Dr. Libby Weaver, who many of you know, she's a holistic nutritionist and an expert in women's health and well-being. Crappy to Happy is recorded in the Podcast One studios. Produced by Dave Zwilenski. Audio production by Darcy Thompson. For more episodes and to check out other great podcasts, go to podcastone.com.au or download the app.